My name is Will Fitzgerald, and this is the Galway Film Podcast. We're back. We're easing back into the swing of things and bringing you another panel episode today. Our panel discussion is on film festivals, and we've contributors from the Toronto International Film Festival, the Edinburgh Film Festival, Newport Beach, and Torino. As well as some useful advice for filmmakers, there are good, challenging questions from the audience too. But just a heads up that this is a live recording, so sound quality may vary. The panel is moderated by Gar O'Brien, my predecessor as festival programmer of the Galway Film Fla. We're on the home stretch with just a couple of episodes left this season. I'll be back next week with the next one of those. Meanwhile, our show is produced by Grease on Demand Skillnet Training. As always, leave us a review to help us grab those new listeners, and subscribe so as not to miss the great couple of episodes we have left. Here's Gar O'Brien. Uh, thank you for coming to our Meet the Festivals panel. My name is Gar O'Brien. Um, I used to uh, work here, and uh, I still uh, appear to work here. Um, so uh, it's great to be here with um, some amazing people from uh, festivals, markets, and Culture Ireland as well. So we're going to talk a little bit. Everyone's going to introduce themselves. Um, I'm going to ask a few questions, but what we really want is to see what these guys can do for you. Um, what you need to know about festivals, um, anything you want to say about festivals, within reason, I think is fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, we want you guys to participate. If you have any questions at any point, just raise your hands, and I think we're happy enough to talk through that and answer any questions you have. So to get the ball rolling, uh, starting with my right here, Jacopo, if uh, everyone could just introduce themselves and say where you work and what your role is. Okay. Uh, I have a there you go. Okay, thank you. I was here uh, yesterday... Uh, someone was here? No? Just Holy Julie. Okay, I can say the same things of yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what to add. I, I don't have anything to add. Uh, so, uh, my name is Jacopo Kessa. I'm uh, the director of the Italian Short, Short Film Center and uh, of the Torino Short Film Market as well. You, f- you will find uh, postcards uh, here or in the, the tables. The Torino Short Film Market is, an, uh, is a professional event uh, on a sh- short form. Uh, that means uh, short films and, um, and other um, and digital contents, let's say. Uh, it's uh, based in Torino, and uh, it will take place uh, in November between 22 and 25. It's uh, organized by the Italian Short Film Center in cooperation with the Torino Film Festival. All right, good afternoon. Uh, I'm Greg Schwenk. I'm the CEO and co-founder of the Newport Beach Film Festival. Uh, We will be celebrating our 20th anniversary in 2019. We are the largest collection of Irish film uh, on the west coast of the United States. Uh, Last year we screened uh, seven features and 17 shorts. Uh, That's along with about another 120 features and about 200 short films. So we're a very large festival uh, in Southern California, about 40 minutes, 45 minutes south uh, of Los Angeles, right on the water. And uh, we're also um, uh, a great place to meet, network uh, with industry and with those in the industry in Los Angeles, but also home to the Gar O'Brien Perpetual Bar Tab. Um, (laughs) And he can talk to you about that later. Thank you very much. Not legally. (laughs) Um, hi, I'm, 
I'm Emma Boa. I'm, I'm, I'm the project manager for the Edinburgh International Film Festival. Um, so I work uh, very closely uh, with the artistic director and deputy artistic director in the programming team. Um, so we've just finished our festival. We're two weeks out, so I might have a bit of a festival brain um, going on here. But um, we're the world's longest continually running film festival. Um, where we celebrated our 72nd edition this year. Um, and we screen a broad range of, of content. We have 100, about 120 new features every year. Um, we screen retrospective programs, um, animation, short film, experimental films. And we also run an industry um, and talent development program as well, as long, along with um, education initiatives as well. Um, we're very friendly, very inclusive. And uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, hi everyone, uh, my name is Gabor Pertik, uh, I'm the Senior Programming Coordinator and International Programmer for the Hot Docs Canadian International Documentary Film Festival. Uh, it's a festival based in Toronto, uh, it's North America's largest documentary exclusive film festival. Uh, we just celebrated our 25th uh, year this past April, we showed about I think 260 films uh, including shorts uh, and we also have a massive uh, forum and marketplace for uh, pitch sessions throughout and uh, we do have, based in Toronto, a 700-seat uh, uh, documentary theatre that plays documentaries all year round beyond just the festival itself. Hi there. My name is Michelle Mayhew, and I'm the executive director and COO of TIFF, Toronto International Film Festival. So we're a number of things. We're actually a year-round organization with five screens in a large building, two restaurants, a bar, learning studios, a gallery space... Um, a rooftop for parties, and we're also an 11-day festival, which is really kind of where we started, and then we expanded to include a Cinematheque, a children's festival every spring, a Canadian festival every winter, a teen festival every February, and we also house a number of other festivals in Toronto, including part of Hot Docs that doesn't fit into the Ted Rogers cinema. So we actually are a home for cinema for everybody from around the world and locally, of course, as well. The way I describe my job is that Unlike the CEO, who currently is the artistic leader of the organization, and I allow him to dabble in the business, <laughs> I, with my teams, am the business leader of the organization, $43 million Canadian charity, cultural charity, and they still allow me to dabble in the programming. <laughs> so I am privileged to program the Irish films at the festival, and for some unbeknownst reason, the Dutch films as well. <laughs> Hi everyone, uh, I'm Kieran Walsh, I'm the Programme Manager with uh, Culture Ireland. So we are the agency that promotes Irish arts worldwide. Our annual budget's uh, 4.5 million euros. Uh, our film supports range through supporting Irish and Irish-themed festivals directly, and then we also support film artists when they get invitations to attend uh, screenings of their work. Brilliant. Thanks very much, guys. Um, again, um, if you have any questions, please just raise your hand, but I'm just going to start asking questions. Um, firstly, a question for you guys. Um, how many of you guys are filmmakers? That's great. How many of you guys work for festivals? How many of you guys are filmmakers who work for festivals? <laughs> there you go. I thought that would be the case. Hey, guys. Um, we have more festivals here. It's the wonderful Indie Cork team. Um, so I'm going to get started with kind of a strange question, but something I'm always fascinated to hear the answer from, um, and anyone who wants to jump in, please do. Why are film festivals? What are they for? Because I know if you're a filmmaker, it's like it's where I show my film, it's where I can put it in front of distributors and audiences and that kind of thing. But what is the purpose of film festivals in your mind? Because it's quite a broad question, I realise, but it's, uh, it's something I get asked a lot, and I find it hard to have an answer. Greg. <laughs> 
Well, it's interesting. You know, in the day and age where you can watch a film on your phone, on an iPad, and it becomes a very uh, singular experience, um, uh, I'm always hearkening back to a gentleman who actually started one of the largest theater chains on the West Coast. It was the Edwards Theater Chain. And I was meeting with him years ago. I said, were you ever worried about VHS, owning a theater? He goes, look, everyone has a kitchen, but we all like to dine out. And I think of, uh, of a festival as the ultimate dining experience in that you're having dinner with the filmmaker, you're having dinner with other people who are passionate like yourself about seeing unique cinema. And I think that's one of the most important things in this day and age, uh, that festivals still bring you unique film and a very special experience uh, that you can't have anywhere else. And I think that's why there are film festivals. I mean, that's a really good answer. The festival experience, I think, is key. I mean, because, as you said, people can kind of stream watch films. Films should be a communal experience. It sometimes doesn't feel that, and that's definitely something festivals offer. Uh, does anyone have a different take on that? I think uh, it's also, like, for filmmakers to be able to actually, like, engage with their audiences and see those reactions, which is a huge part of it. I mean, these filmmakers, as you all know, have been working on films for a year, two years, eight years, ten years. They're in editing suites nonstop, and it becomes kind of very insular in that bubble. And then... Um, beyond just you know selling your film to a streaming platform where you have no idea necessarily who's watching it or how many people are watching it, here you get to stand in front of a stage and have those conversations and, and see the, the audiences react. And so many times, uh, you know, filmmakers will be just sitting in and watching their film for the hundredth time, but just to have that uh, gives them, I think, so much. And then they also get to like meet and collaborate with so many other filmmakers. Like I know, like throughout the circuit, they kind of meet certain people and then they end up making films together. So it's a very good yeah. community building yeah. exercise. Great. Um, just, um, I'll talk to Jacopo in a sec, who runs uh, Film Market, we'll talk about the difference there, but Kieran, from your point of view, um, what do you think, like in terms of, from Irish people going abroad, especially to well, these I suppose, places? I mean, if our priority is around emerging artists across all the art forms, so from a festival point of view, it's, it's an immediate platform for an artist uh, in an international context, that usually, if a film is selected for one of the festivals that these guys program for, we know... There's, a, there's a already a kind of international recognition of their work, and we step in to support that. We're, 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 not, um, we're not purveyors of artistic decisions ourselves. We just support the artist when the opportunity presents itself. So that's why, in a way, that's, from our point of view, it's more industry-based, but it's a key marketplace for the artists to go and present their work in an international context. Also, it's really key for Irish artists to engage in an international context. I mean, most of the artists across the art forms, they're relying on international recognition to create careers for themselves. Mm -hmm. Indigenous careers are, as we know, they're difficult to sustain. So mm -hmm. it's critical from our point of view that we engage at that level. Mm -hmm. That's great. And that kind of brings me pretty neatly to um, Jacopo here. Can you talk a little bit about the trainer market? Sorry, I've asked you this today at a different panel as well. So. Yeah, uh, about, uh, you mean the structure of the market? Yes, the, yeah. mm. The market is uh, four days. It's the third edition this year, um, and uh, this year the the um, what's new is uh, uh, we 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 are trying to open to the festival world because since we are not uh, a festival, the people program programmers uh, are not coming. Uh, there are not so many programmers coming to Torino for the Torino Shopping Market, and uh, we um, we are organizing a pitch for festivals. So the festivals uh, that have uh, a short film section 
could um, uh, can present themselves uh, to the audience, to the producers, filmmakers, and um, distributors. Uh, it's called uh, Picture Fest. Uh, every pitch is seven minutes, all uh, in English. Uh, so the the audience is uh, international, but you can uh, of course meet a lot of uh, Italian uh, um, producers, talents, uh, filmmakers. Um, that's all. It's uh, you, we, t- we have also a video library, which is very important. A video library, a curated video library by our programmers. Uh, that means we don't put just the submissions. Uh, we don't have so many submissions. Uh, we are um, we we do basically we do scouting of short films. So it's a um, video library with uh, about 500 films, which is not so many, uh, which are um, that are not so many uh, in um, in curated programs that have uh, the names of Italian dishes, like lasagne, uh, aperitivo, antipasto. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's, it's nice. But it was uh, really funny last year, because uh, they, um, we have uh, the, the screenings, and uh, there was the, the, it was written, uh, aperitivo spritz, aperitivo prosecco, and uh, there were people asking for a glass of wine, at the screening, they didn't understand. You can see why, though, right? It was <laughs> Prosecco. Where is the Prosecco? No, it's the name of the program. Okay. It was a mistake. <laughs> um, you made a really interesting point there, I think, um, about uh, films being submitted and scouting for films. And uh, just in my own time, kind of program, I always found that a kind of really difficult balance to strike because you want to take in the people, especially indigenous cinema, that submit as much as possible and go through that, but then also for your audience, you need to kind of get, kind of scout and get the best kind of content, especially international as possible. Just wondering if we could just start with Michelle and maybe talk a little bit about, the, you know, between submissions and then kind of scouting for content and then work your way back up. I described this to somebody on opening night that if you want your film to be seen, submit through without a box. Hmm. If you want your film to be known, contact me. <laughs> There's a distinction. So, um, We have 23 programmers who live and work around the world. There's a few of us who are full-time because we have day jobs at TIFF. But for the most part, these people travel and they work at other jobs. Somebody's a distributor in Rome and programs all our Asian films, for example. Somebody manages other festivals and lives in Athens. They all have their own way of tracking and creating relationships with filmmakers within the domain that they're responsible. Sometimes it's language-based, sometimes it's geography like mine. And we're all responsible for tracking and keeping, you know, on top of what's happening in the various areas that um, we're responsible for. So that's the scouting piece. Mm-hmm. The submissions piece is actually, I mean, it's it's an economic driver. I mean, there's a submission fee. It's not a lot of money. I don't know that any festival charges a lot of money, but mm-hmm. basically the submission fee pays for all the help we need in pre-screening. Mm-hmm. So everything mm-hmm. that's submitted through without a box is seen by at least two pairs of eyes, sometimes three before it even gets to a recommend to a programmer. Mm-hmm. But you know, just to give you a sense of the numbers, which is why it's really good for you to get to know programmers at festivals. Mm-hmm. I think we had 4,000 submissions in 2017. One film was chosen through that process. Oh, wow. What? So, <laughs> it's just managing expectations, people. Um, but that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why we have such a disparate um, group of people, because we all have different tastes. We each get a number of slots. It's not it's not driven by a programming committee. It's that individual flavor. We each write our notes and sign our names to them, so we kind of take ownership. So if a particular media person has exception with one of the films that we've chosen, they come at us. <laughs> so anyway, that's my distinction of scouting versus okay. submission. 
Yeah, we, I mean, we actually get, in Edinburgh, we had about 4,000 submissions, which is actually going gradually up and up each, each year. We use Without a Box as well. Um, but actually, I think it was about 100 films, including short films as well, right. actually made it into the programme. Um, and we don't have we don't have a, a number of scouts in the way that in right. the sort of numbers that you, that you guys do, but we do have um, we obviously have a programming team. So we have our artistic director and deputy artistic director, um, and then various programmers. We have a documentary programmer, animation, and experimental. So they're specialists in their field. And again, any sort of submissions that would come in would be classified in a certain way, and again would be would be again viewed at least at least once, if not more times, by by a viewer, and then before they can make their way to the programming team. But again, those programmers are going out to festivals around the world, and again meeting and networking and meeting with filmmakers. And again, like you say, it's it's, it's making those connections that mm -hmm. does help your film kind of get to the fore. Um, but it's not to say that going in through the submissions process. Um, is is um, it's harder I think to, mm -hmm. to get to make your way to the top of the pile because it is very competitive. But but it does um, we do kind of pride ourselves on how much we try and solicit films from amazing, from yeah I think the numbers are they're pretty good really. It is including short films so yeah our number um, shorts. but yeah but obviously a lot of, a lot of content would come in or would be considered via you know festivals and, and other connections that we have. And we have you know relationships with distributors and sales agents and other. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, people in the industry as well, so a lot of content and cultural agencies as well. Mm -hmm. So content would either be recommended or, or passed to us via via those avenues as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> very similar models to both of uh, what the two of you were saying. Uh, with Hot Docs, we get 3,000 submissions. I mean, it is all documentary exclusive, but that includes shorts, mid-lengths, and feature films. Uh, we have, uh, it, myself and director of programming Shane Smith are the only year-round programmers, so a lot of our job is to go around and scout for uh, various festivals. We're on the road for about three, four months uh, within a given year, but we do have a programming team of 15 of us, um, and the programmers are divided in those categories of international and Canadian features, and then uh, shorts and mid-lengths. Um, we don't use with Hotabouts. So we have a very specific, like, through our website, we've designed our own kind of submission form, which kind of generates into the database that we can track in. Um, for us, it, it does, uh, I mean, all those films are seen uh, that submit through us by at least two programmers as well. Um, and it's always very exciting if there's something that is unsolicited that kind of pops through. Uh, you know, it's a really exciting gem that happens when you, all of a sudden you kind of, like, look through and you're like, wait, this hasn't been seen by anybody. And then you go to the weekly programming meetings and you're like you have to see this and so like that as programmers that's always exciting discoveries right to to kind of unfound something that hasn't been seen and then put in front of an audience yeah can i just add something because i feel like I've, I've kind of you know put something out there that's maybe not all that fair i think a lot of filmmakers just submit their film everywhere oh that was good that's, I think why we're getting yeah. so many thousands of submissions yeah. these days they don't check they don't check requirements, they don't check mm -hmm. deadlines, they don't check restrictions. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the stuff that comes through doesn't even qualify. Mm -hmm. But it's because I think with I mean the first version of Without a Box I remember signing on for years ago, it's like click, 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 click and it goes. Yeah. So it's like there is a science to figuring out where you want your film to go, which is maybe another conversation to have, but I think that's why the number of submissions is mm. so high now, because mm. I think people are being a little less discriminant about yeah. how they yeah. target. Yeah. So for us, we do celebrate heavily when we find something within that system too. Yeah. 
It's a big yeah. cowbell that gets rung. Um, <laughs> sorry, we just had a question from that gentleman first, then this lady will come back. So. Roman time. Uh, I have a film in the festival as well, Syria, the Impossible Revolution. Mm. And uh, it's ironic that the question I'm going to ask you is not so much uh, provoked by my experience making that, but it was Oleg's sense of a hunger strike. I just want to ask you a question, and I'm really not asked, worried about myself, because I don't get killed making a documentary, and I can assure you I've worked very hard never to put myself in that situation. But I just was wondering, especially the way the world is going, you know, with the tide for democracy almost going out, does it ever figure in your calculations to prioritize filmmakers in dictatorships or filmmakers who are making films where their lives go on the line, or do you just really look at the film because I would suggest the way we're moving at the moment that perhaps it's time, maybe, I'm suggesting it if the answer is no, that it's time to look for filmmakers making films in regimes where they're being repressed because they do put their lives on the line. And I'll just give you one example. Oleg Sensov resonated with me profoundly because in our documentary, there's a guy called Yassine Al-Hajj Saleh who wrote a book, Impossible Revolution. He spent 16 years in prison and he allowed us to use the title as well. Uh, but he was a 19-year medical student when he was picked up. And it just dawned on me, speaking with him, even though he was tortured and so forth, that he could have left that prison relatively easily if he had submitted. So that's the kind of people I'm talking about. Mm. And I see sense of now on hunger strike, the mm. 62nd day of his hunger strike today, by the way. He is definitely going to die. Because he's like Yasina Aishali. He is a very principled human being. And frankly, I would not put myself in their league because I'm not quite sure <laughs> I would not have signed on the talent line straight away to get yeah. myself out of prison. So I'm just putting that yeah. out there. Mm. No, I'm not, not making it against myself. Maybe these people who are extraordinary of course. in the way. I'm just sort of throwing it at you just for some... I mean, I can speak very specifically to what you just said. Uh, in the previous year um, at Hot Docs, we made a focus uh, called Syria 360, and we showed, I think, about eight or nine documentaries about uh, the conflict that's going on there, the refugee crisis, and a lot of them were from kind of in that region. Um, beyond that, when uh, Trump decided to put his travel ban on the, those seven countries, we decided to find a documentary filmmaker from each of those countries and put it into our cinema for free screenings. Uh, so that for especially in documentary and like fiction yeah. is the same I, yeah. but um, for, for our experience that's something that we always follow those kind of trends every year you kind of see a certain swing of what region is being really focused on and we do our best to without a doubt focus on that yeah. I think that touches on another importance for festivals is that's opening up a conversation mm -hmm. yes. Yes. and being willing to have those difficult conversations because it, I don't see it happening so much in commercial mm -hmm. cinema yeah. just saying yeah. Um, and and we provide safe spaces, all of us, yeah. mm -hmm. to have really tough conversations about issues of the day yeah. and bringing in experts. We actually work with a, an international school, the Monk School in Toronto, where we'll pick issue films and we'll actually bring a panel to be right on stage at the end of the film to mm. open up a dialogue with the audience and the filmmakers. So I 100% agree with you. Yeah. And Hot Dogs actually does a really brilliant job with this every year. Yeah. So I think that is that safe space to be able to have these really difficult conversations of issues of the day yeah. is a, another really important reason that festivals, I think, are still needed. Absolutely. That's really good. Sorry, this uh, lady had a question. Yeah, my question that you ask uh, is a bit similar. Uh, in my mind, uh, when well, I'm a visual artist, Catherine Oman, architect, and director of uh, an artist collective <laughs> And um, what I, I wanted to ask you for me, uh, you know, in some, some
somebody was uh, well, who have lived the sixties and the seventies, and for me, uh, you know, film festival were mainly to uh, encourage underground cinema, and uh, you know, so what I was wondering. But nowadays, you have a, you have so many different trends. Uh, it's interesting to see all kind of all kind of cinema. But I was wondering what what do you have a special philosophy or beside helping emerging artists and uh, do you have a philosophy behind your choice? And, Okay, um, just to reiterate the question, is, is there a particular philosophy behind the selection of films and in the film festival? Because, um, okay, that's, that's really interesting. I know originally, and we mentioned this earlier, a different panel was on, but I think when festivals formed out of the kind of um, film society movement, that one of the things was to reveal what the market hides. So the idea was to kind of bring out, kind of like you're saying, emerging talent and all that. But like, I think there was a political element certainly as well, and certainly a socio-political element to festivals. And if I'm correct, is that what you're asking? What is the particular philosophy, you think? Yeah. Cinema, people who, who have, uh, who are, yes, challenging things or uh, who have independent mind and, uh, you know, <coughs> who are not in networks as well. Yes. Does anyone have want to well, take I, I mean, I can speak to that a bit because we have many sections as does, you know, Edinburgh and Hot Talks. We have red carpet galas mm -hmm. and we have discovery where we look for those independent voices. Mm -hmm. We have wavelengths where it's a more, you know, experimental form of visual yeah. storytelling. But we also have a, a mission and a vision for our organization. And, and the mission for us and has been for probably two decades now is transforming the way people see the world through film. Yeah. And a vision, which is new because we've launched a new five-year strategic plan, shifted for the very first time this year with a strat plan that is much more audience-focused because in the days of programming, it's really programmers saying, mm -hmm. I love this film, therefore you should see it. Mm -hmm. It's now more about a dialogue with the audience because the world is changing. Mm -hmm. One of our programmers asked the question when we were at a programming retreat, what is our job in arts and culture today in a world that is so incredibly fractured and difficult and negative in many ways and we came up with a new vision that all of us have in mind whenever we program and that's you know that everything we do should help create a more engaged informed connected world mm. which again goes back to community and everything you were mm. saying about getting people together in a room Greg and seeing things together and having conversations together mm -hmm. so I think for us that speaks to a little bit of the essence of the 60s and 70s mm. of you know, why are we here? Well, it's not just because we're here to sell tickets. We're here because we truly believe in a higher mission, mm -hmm. that film is one of the most incredible communicating tools of two, central, two centuries now. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so we hope that people will actually come together and, and you know, be a little bit more friendly, perhaps, after <laughs> experiencing beautiful cinema. I, I always like that actually because I mean I know it's a cliche to an extent, but the Roger Ebert thing about cinema being a machine for empathy. Yeah. I mean, I fundamentally do think cinema can change your mind. I mean, and uh, you go to cinema to be moved. It uh, doesn't necessarily matter what direction it can move you emotionally, but it can. I do believe cinema can change your mind. It can even subconsciously make you, you create a common understanding. And a common understanding, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Uh, we're just going to say uh, maybe from filmmakers. So here's one. Um, uh, my question has kind of two parts to it. The first part is, um, they say a great festival has character or an identity. Like here, Galway, you know, Galway has a great character. That's what everybody always says when you visit. And of course, 
everybody in the room can picture a film that would kind of play at the Cannes Film Festival. So I'm just wondering, mm -hmm. do you guys think along a kind of a common identity, or uh, do, you, do you have like a character that you like to uphold when you're selecting or programming films? And if so, could you name one film that you would class as the quintessential Toronto film, or the quintessential people? That's an excellent and dastardly question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. This goes back to the knowing your festival thing. He's actually just doing market research here. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah. he's, he knows exactly what he's doing. He does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Greg, what, what would be the quintessential new movie to him festival? I mean, I think to build on a couple of questions that were, were brought up. Um, one, if we look at the submission side, uh, we will get about 3,000 submissions for the 350 slots that we have. I'd say on the short side, the vast majority didn't come through submission. So they definitely come that way. Uh, on the feature side, uh, the team will debate and discuss some of the very things you're talking about, some of what, what Michelle was bringing up about, you know, do we program for or of our community in the greater sense? And, and, and that's been a shift over the last, say, 10 years, definitely in the last three, where you know, it being uh, telling them what to watch versus you know, thinking and understanding who our audience is and making sure that we can balance that out. And to go back to your question... Uh, as far as the type of film, I'd say it's, look, the Newport Beach Film Festival, uh, we're always looking for great film. Uh, and if you look at the Irish titles we've had, uh, you know, a wide range of Irish titles. Uh, and, you know, everything from smaller budget to mainstream major films that will get national, international release. Uh, and I think it's something where we're looking for well-crafted, uh, films which will resonate with our audience. Mm -hmm. And to your point, there are films that can, that even if they, one can't, I probably wouldn't put them in. Only because I know they wouldn't, I, mean, I would tell my team, that is going to be a very hard film to play in Southern California. It just, it just is. And, you know, and it's, it's not a slap at the film, it's not a slap at can't, it's just they know their audience and we know ours. And I think that's true for everyone up here is, you know, yes, it's not just to sell tickets, but if we don't sell any, we won't be up here next year. Um, so it's about finding that right film. And then another conversation I'd love to have is putting it back onto you guys of what you need to be doing when you're at festivals uh, to help make those films successful, those screenings successful. So you're not giving us an answer then on what the good is. Thank you very much. I'm out of here. <laughs> no, but you know yeah. what? There are so many different titles that would work across this table yeah. because our festivals are different festivals for each person who attends mm. so you know if we only had a more sophisticated website we'd probably be able to build the festival for you that works for you but you know American Beauty was a Toronto festival title mm. um, The Stag um, Room and I showed every one of Lenny Abrahamson's films before that mm. um, but it's different for every person who attends and I think mm. the important thing and this is what Greg was saying is that we know our audience, and, and Toronto, if you want to know, we're known as the Friendly Festival, and it's because of our volunteers mm. and our audiences. And they're Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but we know that. And then, you know, it's, it's, we have an audience award, for instance. So that goes a long way. So there's many different answers to your questions. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. That's a good question. Well, that's what I was wondering. Like, do you kind of adhere to that character that you, or a brand that you kind of 
champion, or is it do you just pick good films? Hey, look, well, oh, come on. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that in in a way, yes, that's what we're we're looking for. I mean, we we program across, you know, we're very international, but we also um, support Scottish filmmaking talent. So there's a there's a strong kind of I mean, a lot of the uh, talent development programs that we do. We build relationships with filmmakers that then will you know sustain throughout the the, the course of their of their career. Um, but I mean, we, we're looking for. I mean, I guess films that, that are, are, are strong and have unique and individual voices and that tackle maybe challenging subjects in, in new ways or that avoid cliché and, and, and things that we you know, use to define and, and classify a, a good film. Um, but like, like um, Michelle was saying, I think it does. The, the festival is different for everyone who attends, so depending on what you're looking to do when you're there and what, kind of, what you're looking to engage with and how you're looking to engage, then there's lots of different ways in which that character exhibited I guess but um, but it's very much we were very we're very much an audience festival and we have a, a strong industry program of events and, and talent development in particular but um, and we're very uh, keen to kind of find ways to connect the industry with with the public with the audience as well we create a lot of um, networking spaces that are open to everyone and trying to kind of create that dialogue on the ground as well as um, in more sort of industry specific areas so so yeah, I'm not sure if that answers the question, but yeah. But I think, especially for our festival, we'll pick up things at Toronto, we'll find things at Edinburgh, and I think we've shared things with hot dogs. And, but where I think what would be, if you look at more the personality of a festival, we may play one film from Syria, because we know we can fill that, we know that's gonna get an audience, it's gonna be respectful of the filmmaker and accessible to that audience, where we, I don't think we could do five. I think so it's understanding what type of film you have, where that film might be from, what the subject matter is, and how much audience do they have for that type of a film. So it does make put more onto you guys to do a little research on all the different festivals that are out there. Yeah, I, I think that kind of brings us back to the point uh, Michelle made earlier, which is people submitting so often like through Without a Box, taking all this, like yeah. not every festival is right for every film. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and uh, there's uh, quite a lot of... Uh, focus, I think, on festival strategy and things uh, recently. Do you have any advice for filmmakers? Let's say, uh, has anyone here made a, a feature film or a short, let's say, that they would be looking to submit to some of these festivals? Great. Have you done research on the types of festivals? Have you a festival strategy? Excellent. That's okay. You don't have to. Um, uh, it's, what I would like to ask you guys is, what advice would you give someone, like in this position, who's looking to submit to various festivals, what would be the best piece of advice you can give them, what are the common I mistakes? Mean, I, I think it's kind of what we've all been like yeah. saying here, but to expand a little bit, it, yeah. it is research, the, the programs yes. that, that the festivals do. Uh, I mean, there's so many, in Toronto alone, there's like, what, 70, yeah. 80 festivals? Like one a week. Yeah, there, yeah. There, yeah. there's <laughs> tons just in Toronto <laughs> alone. And then, so beyond the world, like, there, there are so, so many. And, you know, a lot, a lot of filmmakers are emerging, or even if they're not emerging, there are tons of submission fees that, like, go into it. And, you know, our festival is in April, so it's kind of like later in the fall, spring cycle. And when we have filmmakers emailing us being like, hey, so I submitted to about, you know, 50, 60 festivals. I don't have a submission budget. Can I have a fee waiver? Well, it's like, well, you paid for all of these, you know, how come, like, you, you know, it, it's that kind of strategy. It's, you really do have to focus kind of on what, like, Michelle is saying of just like, don't tick off 
kind of everything. Look, every film festival has a website. Look through kind of what they program. Look at yeah. kind of what they're interested in and kind of budget for it. I, I think a lot of filmmakers don't budget actually for yes. submission fees as much as they should. And then they kind of like blank out and aren't able to. And so they've submitted to these random festivals they might not have even heard of they just saw them without a box that here's the deadline cool i'll yeah. click it yeah. and then you kind of blow your budget and don't have an opportunity to potentially like play bigger things mind you of course i think all of us like had that experience of giving out fee waivers to certain kind of underrepresented countries or if there are final in issues but if you're just saying, hey, sorry, I spent it all on these other festivals. Can I go to yours yeah. for free? It's like that's what kind of pays for our jobs. Yeah. So. Also being aware of premier status or, yeah. or like rules of eligibility. So, for example, we require Edinburgh, we require minimum UK premier status. So if you've screened anywhere else within the UK before that, a lot of filmmakers don't, don't cotton on to that. And then it means that, that we can't then, can then screen the film. So it's kind of one, you know, working out where exactly your where your film is most likely best to have its kind of launch pad, um, and trying to focus it. And when it comes to research, you're all at a film festival. How many people here have seen at least one or two films while you've been here? Okay, good for you. Yeah. Because it's the first piece of advice I would give you. If you're in a film festival, you're in a privileged environment. Mm. Go and see what's working. Go mm -hmm. and see what's yeah. happening. Go and see how other storytellers yeah. are working today. Mm. And then the research that you should be doing is, what is out there? What festival is out there? What has been successful in that festival? What mm. looks and smells like my project? Mm. Where do you see similarities and where do you see fit? Mm. Because it really is all, all about fit. It's about fit with programmers, certainly, mm -hmm. mm. but you do get a flavor of a festival by understanding what's been successful there before you. Yeah. Last question on that yes. Right. Um, when, when you're programming, and a bit, a bit like what you're saying about the Prosecco range, or this is a the section that's about mothers and daughters, or do you find that after you've seen the films and then you sort of curate the festival around that? Or is there, because I, I, I've submitted my film fast, uh, film to, it's playing at this festival, by the way. Um, Congratulations. But, thank you. Uh, but I sub submitted it to um, Glasgow and it, mm. it didn't get in, but when I looked at the programme, I was like, it wouldn't have fit in any of that programme. But I didn't mm. know whether that was, you know, that came after sort of the chicken or egg, egg yeah. thing. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just wanted a little bit about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we, in Edinburgh, we actually have we've had fairly uh, stable strands for the past, um, God, for, certainly since under Mark Adams' tenure, and, mm -hmm. and actually beyond that as well. But they're not very, they're not really thematic. They're more kind of uh, regional. So we do like Best of British, American mm -hmm. Dreams, um, international or European perspectives and world perspectives, and then we do a Night Moves strand as well, which is more kind of um, slightly darker, more late night screenings. So it's not really actually, it's not thematically organised in that way. Um, but I think other festivals maybe have more of a kind of, um, I don't know how broad a film would, would maybe fit under these kind of banners anyway, but it's, it, like I say, so it's not really, it doesn't really work that way from our side um, specifically. I think with our short film programmes, mm. they choose films they love and then they sit down together, there's two programmers, and then they sit down together and they build each of the discrete yeah. programs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And one signs half the notes and the other signs the other half the notes. I remember that London yeah. FF tried themes. I'm not sure if they're still doing it, but one was like love. They still one do was, that. Are they still yeah. doing it? Yeah, yeah. And I haven't been, but I've been reading the, 
the trade observations and it seems it's being met with mixed success. Mm. I have a feeling that's done after the fact too. It's like, oh, I like this film, which one's it going to fit in? Yeah. So it's yeah. it's tough to, thematic is always tough, I think. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, wavelengths, experimental, that's kind of easy. Discovery, mm -hmm. that's kind of easy. It's first or second film. Yeah. Like, we, and maybe we took the easy way out. And our strands yeah. have been fairly stable for a long time yeah. as well. But I think thematic's really hard. Yeah, and I think it, I think the themes, certainly with short films, our, our short film programs have, have quite specific um, banners that they come after the fact, after the pro, after the films have been selected, and you see kind of emerging themes, and then that way, then you group the films in that way rather than yeah. coming in with a banner first and then trying to film. Because it's really restrictive if you try and do it the other way yeah. around. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in the same kind of thing with yeah. the documentary space, like we have our big like kind of umbrella like categories, but our themes are dictated on kind of what's happening in the world with yeah. any given year. So that's just through our you know submission stuff. You know, whenever we're watching the news, you know, it's like we're going to get about twenty-five documentaries about this specific topic, and so that's kind of like how the Syria program came about, or the, I think the year before we had a focus on like so many uh, like transgender films that are like coming out so those are the ones that we kind of through the submission phase our programmers start to sit around and talk and be like hey I've seen a lot of films about XYZ yeah. and so those theme programs like will come together in that process but that isn't limited to the entire festival yeah. it's not like the entire festival is based on themes but we yeah. do have those categories as they unfold and I'd say it's in a similar way. I mean, we'll kind of combine. You know, we'll, from an Irish perspective, we always have two sections for Irish short films within the twenty-some-odd sections that we have for fil short film. And then uh, thematic, yes, we we do run into a situation where we don't have as many about love this year for whatever reason. So what we do, we there are probably again a handful that will be always in the festival, and then we look at what we have, and those will begin to once those are selected, the team will go through and curate and put together each of those different uh, 80 to 90 minute blocks. Great, thanks guys. Do you have uh, another question from... <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, are you being, um, what is it, positive discrimination and trying to get more women's voices heard in the festival? So just thinking about going through the sort of without-a-box process, uh, I wondered, like, is, is there a massive disparity between how many women submit and how many men? Because often, sometimes, I'm looking at a festival program, I don't know if this is just being a woman or not, and I'm like, well, I don't know if my film's good enough to put, get into this one, so I won't put it in. Um, and I just wondered whether you see that, whether you see a sort of disparity in male and female, and if you're sort of trying to hone out a little bit, you know, allowing those... Um, I think that's a really excellent question. Are you talking specifically about like 50-50 uh, quotas in like festivals? Are you think they're trying to hit that? Or? Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying only 100 quotas. I just want yeah. to know that, that are, are they exactly thought about? Mm -hmm. And if so, how? That's a great question. So I'll, I'll speak to that. We don't have a quota. We are mindful. Mm -hmm. And when we went back and started measuring last year just to see, mm -hmm. because everybody was talking about it last year, and I guess we have had a fact sheet, but we didn't we didn't really pay attention to the fact that all of our industry programming has been 50-50 for about six or seven years. Mm -hmm. Last year we had, of the 4,000 submissions, 11% were women, and we programmed over 30% women. 11% mm -hmm. were submitted, and we programmed over 30. Mm -hmm. So... That's actually kind of amazing. I don't know how we did it. My selection, I had eight films. It was 
just happened to work out that way between Ireland and, and Holland. So we're all made more aware, obviously, because of everything that's being discussed these days. Uh, but we are we're optimistic that we've been working in the right direction for a while and that it's becoming ingrained in how we program both on the industry side and on the public-facing mm -hmm. festival side. It gets challenging when you have a Cinematheque and you're programming year-round for a Cinematheque mm -hmm. draws on the canon of world cinema, often dead white males. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. how do you start to address that? So, because we're not just a festival, so that's another piece that we're working on really diligently right now to determine the communities who are not being represented in a mm -hmm. city that is probably the most international in the world. Mm -hmm. But on the festival side, we're moving in the right direction and we, I mean, there are a few festivals that came close to us last year. Mm -hmm. Mumbai was actually 50-50, which was kind of impressive. Mm -hmm. um, so was Hot Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what though, yeah. yeah. documentary, they're more... Yeah, very much so. so. Yeah. So you're definitely. I'm working. Yeah, yeah. On. We got to fifty. Like the <laughs> um, there's just an interesting point there, in that like not just being a festival, but a market as well. Like from your point of view, is that something you have to factor in with a market as well, in terms of like gender uh, quality, or how do you see that coming through for like people? Um, Shorts in the market? Uh, good question. I don't know because uh, I don't make the programs. So, uh, but um, we. But even coming through the market, like, I mean, what's the, the breakdown? Uh, the people, you mean? Yeah. There are a lot of uh, women, a uh, lot of buyers, uh, mostly the, the, the most important buyers, uh, TV buyers in Europe, are uh, women. So, this okay. the first uh, you confirm. Uh, because Canal Plus, France Tele, Arte, they are all women. And, um, and uh, about attending people, uh, I really don't know. I don't have uh, any data about, uh, but uh, we don't program, we don't have any quota. Uh, and uh, we program a, a lot of um, projects and um, in the pitches and, uh, and uh, in, in the programs. Uh, film made by women, but uh, I'm I'm not so maybe I'm not the good pers person to to ask because uh, uh, since I d I don't make the programs. No, no, I was just curious from a market point of view. Yes, but yes. Can I add something to that? Because um, I remember a film in a in America, and I know a lot of particularly America seems ahead of Europe. Because they've been reaching out to a lot of, I mean, TIFF reached out through mm -hmm. the hotel. Mm -hmm. So they have been reaching out to women filmmakers, which has been really good mm -hmm. um, to encourage us to apply. Yeah, and I think they've made that in your yeah. own. Interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, yes, and then we'll switch over there. Um, I've got a question to the panel. Um, I'm interested in doing, uh, well, in making documentaries, and uh, I find that obviously the documentaries tend to be more. Um, relative to the narrative structure, it's tend to be more sort of fictional based, obviously, um, and have a more reflective tone to it. Mm -hmm. How do you, as um, programmers and commissioners of festivals, look at, um, say, documentaries that might have a very uh, a narrower lifespan or shelf life, mm -hmm. and how does that then equate to mm -hmm. the program in the one that you think you're trying to um, keep mm -hmm. things fresh and topical, mm -hmm. and might actually have to have certain projects that you like, um, not the program as well? Um, I mean, on, on our end, I, I think that a lot of the times there's this kind of conception of documentaries, especially not a lot of like documentary goers necessarily, kind of more of a broad audience that I don't mean to generalize, but think that it's supposed to be factual content. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're coming here, we, we want to learn something, here are the stats, here's what's happening. 
that's not what we're here to do, to program. You know, documentary is an art form, much like all the various art forms in fictional films. So we're looking at what is an incredible film. So many of the films that we have, like, programmed at Hot Docs are about this tiny little town. Here's a story of someone going through it, and it's so beautifully and artistically shot and put together. I mean, we had a few of those, like, from uh, Ireland last year, Lonely Battle, Thomas Reed, stunning, Mm -hmm. Silver Branch, incredible film. And those films Mm -hmm. resonated so well with our audience. Mm -hmm. I had no idea about these stories beforehand, before I saw Mm -hmm. them, but it was blown away by their artistic achievement. So you don't need to just make the film about (laughs) Syria or Trump. Like, you can do that and if it's if it's an incredibly well-made film if it's a piece of art then that's what we're going to show now mind you would they have as massive audiences as something that is broad and topical not necessarily but those are the audiences that come and want to see and be surprised about something really good and i guess actually if you're making films that are touching on very topical subject matter there, there can be a bit of a saturation mm-hmm. so you get so many films yeah. about syria that that then actually it, it can be that a film that maybe is about something that you know, you didn't even know, you didn't know about, might actually stand out more anyway because of its subject matter as well Absolutely. as because of the artistic um, merit as well on the film. So, I guess. Yeah. Great question. Um, gentleman there. Yeah, I just had a question if any of you had advice or recommendation in terms of premiere status when, when we make a film and we start submitting, and I know that's a consideration, mm-hmm. and then also maybe online status. When you put it online, do you still take films? It seems like more and more film festivals are a little more open to screening films that are already online? Do you have any advice on that? We don't screen films that are already online. We don't if either. it's publicly accessible, then it's it doesn't have a UK... We require minimum UK premiere status, so then it's in the public domain, and we, we don't screen it. Yeah, unless it's maybe like a short film that yeah. might be online features. Like yeah. we, we still want to pull an audience yeah. in, at the end of the day. Um, for our premieres, like for example, like Hot Docs and Tiff would never show the same stuff. Like we we require a Toronto premiere, yeah. like before that. So yeah, exactly that. Yeah. Um, yeah, if like if a film is playing Hot Docs, it's not going to go to Tiff and, and vice versa. Um, and yeah, but I mean yeah, for Hot Docs it's Toronto premiere. But of course, I think every festival gets a bit more excited if they have a world or international premiere because there's yeah. going to be more industry that are going to be curious to see it. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I would say is, and, and we're the same with online, I would just say that, you know, we've shrunk our festival by about 60 features in the last two years to make mm-hmm. it more navigable for media and industry and buyers, etc., mm-hmm. and even the audience, because mm-hmm. they can't possibly see 270 features. Mm-hmm. Um, so that makes it really hard when you're down to your last slots. Are you going to show a world premiere? Or are you going to show something that's already been seen? Mm-hmm. It just makes it hard. Like, mm-hmm. I will take everything, mm-hmm. um, as long as it's not online and uh, <laughs> yeah. hasn't been shown in Toronto. Yeah. But it does really make it hard because then Cameron Bailey will say to me, well, why aren't you taking this one over that one? Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's a really tough call. Mm-hmm. And I think the more you know where you feel your film should fit. Mm-hmm. So when somebody calls me and says, I'm thinking about taking my film to, you know, Tribeca and Seattle and I'm like, okay, have a great time. Yeah. <laughs> but then they feel, but, but what about you? And it's like, no, if you've got a sense of where you think your film should go, you mm. should do it. Mm. Mm-hmm. You should absolutely do it because these festivals, they're, they're not all pulling from the same pool yeah. of films, if you will. And when you understand what a festival is about and where your film should fit, you'll know really quickly where you fit within the ecology mm-hmm. of film festivals, if that makes sense. 
because Sundance doesn't equal Tribeca, Tribeca doesn't equal Seattle, Seattle doesn't equal Toronto or Hot Docs or Edinburgh, you know what I mean? Or Newport Beach. Like there is, there is kind of a hierarchy or an ecosystem is maybe a better way to look at it. And then it helps you figure out where you should be holding your world premiere. Sometimes you're better off in a regional festival because you yeah. get bigger lift. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get more attention because mm-hmm. it's maybe more intimate. And you might get a better review because you've got a friendly media person from that community. Yeah. So as soon as you go to an Edinburgh or a Hot Docs or Toronto, you've got Screen International, Variety, Hollywood mm-hmm. Reporter, mm-hmm. and then that's it. Like mm-hmm. You're done. Like It's whatever they say is kind of going to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, question from this lady here, and then we'll get to this. Great question. Screening fees. Screening fees and mm-hmm. sort of general hosting, because okay, yeah, yeah. you don't make a big income anyway, but yeah, you do right. feel sort of patronized sometimes that you're so lucky to be here. Yeah. Well, we, so at Edinburgh, we don't pay screening fees as a policy, um, and it's quite a hardline policy. Um, but what we do do is, is invite the filmmakers to attend the festival as far as our budgets permit. And we mm-hmm. pull in a lot, a lot of support from cultural agencies and, mm-hmm. and various other funding sources as well. Um, or we, we find out information that we can then direct the filmmakers to, to apply for that funding directly. Um, and then we will host them, uh, you know, we'll in, ensure that they they are accredited, they can attend all industry events and all press and industry screenings as well as, um, you know, we have um, uh, applications of public tickets for public screenings as well, um, they can access the video tech, so all of the benefits to an accredited member of the industry um, is made available to them. We invite them for dinner as well and all, all kinds of, um, we generally host some kind of reception or some sort of networking event for everyone, all of our guests for the festival every night at the festival. So. Again, there's a lot of opportunities for them to, to connect up with a wider industry. Um, and then we work with our press agency as well, who are DDAPR, they're based in London. But again, helping promote the film to the, the wider industry as well. And, you know, obviously all of our indus- invited industry press distributors, sales agents that we invite to the festival are then making as many um, opportunities available for them to, to see the work as well. So that's kind of what we, what we do in lieu of, of, of actually paying a screening fee. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Um, sorry guys, we're just running out of time slightly, but kind of on your point as well, just talk to Kieran about what, like for if you've a um, film well, going from about. our point of view, mm. the funding that we um, we would supply travel, uh, our eligible costs are travel and accommodation yeah. for filmmakers when the film has been selected to be part of the programme, mm. so if you have been selected, you should come and talk to us first, some festivals we fund directly mm. so that it will be up to the festival to provide you with that travel and accommodation uh, in other situations, uh, you would apply if you've got it. If if it's not part of that roster of festivals, you would apply to us for travel and accommodation. 
and then you'd submit a grant application to us. But you should talk to the uh, talk to the organisation, talk to one of my colleagues in the office mm-hmm. before you submit. We we accept those year round. It's not it's it's something that we do outside of our regular round. They're called out of rounds applications because we know that invitations don't happen within our normal. We've funding cycles three times a year, but these the invitations happen outside of that. And then we endeavour to turn around those decisions um, as quickly as we can. Mm. And just the two other bits, just to pick up on uh, what was said earlier, it's really important that you have some kind of international strategy. And I know that sounds a bit highfalutin, but it's really important that you have some kind of vision of where your film should, should, should be seen. Mm. And the other side of that is once you've been selected and you, you are going to attend, that's a work opportunity. Mm. And it's a really important work opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's, a, it's it, personally, it's obviously a big endorsement of your film, but uh, we really encourage you to uh, make the most of that opportunity in terms of engaging mm-hmm. with the other industry personnel who are there. Mm-hmm. And that could be at a very informal level. Sometimes those conversations can happen late at night mm-hmm. in a bar. You can bump into somebody who's seen your movie. Um, but it's really important to be ready for those opportunities. That's great, guys. Sorry, I think we're just out of time. Um, but maybe some of you guys might be happy to stick around and yeah. if people are talking. Um, can you just give it up? Um, thanks to our amazing panel again, guys. And thank you all as well. It was great. Thank you. Thank you.